What's up, everybody? My name is Matt James, and welcome to Generation Bitcoin. Today, I'm here with Mike Audi. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. So you're the founder of Tiki, uh, an app that helps users take control of how their data is being used online. Uh, you have quite the background and working in technology, and you've always been. Have you always been interested in technology? And can you speak a little bit about uh, how, how long you've been been in the space? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I as a kid, I just grew up wanting to invent things. So yeah, I mean, as soon as I could, I went to engineering school, studied all sorts of different kinds of engineering, and I've been in it ever since. So yeah, my background's in building things. I've built things for. Big companies, small companies. I've built my own company. I'm building another one now. It, yeah, I I build things. And my specialty is how do you build stuff with data? Specifically, what do you do with very large sets of data? How do you use large sets of data? How do you manipulate data? How do you actually build things that create positive outcomes for users with data? Very cool. Yeah, I know there's definitely a sense of pride when you when you build something and you're able to look back and see what you've built. So. I uh, definitely understand. To so go over your website a little bit, uh, Tiki. Um, Tiki is an app that users can see what data companies are collecting on you, uh, how it's used, and how secure it really is. And be and users are able to control what data is being give, given to these companies. And then you're able to monetize that data too. Is, is that right? Is, is what I'm saying kind of good summary? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty spot on. It comes out of one really simple problem. Um, it's our data. When you talk about it, you talk about it like companies have my data, but we have no effective way to exercise their ownership over that data, right? Companies and governments make choices about what happens to our data. We have no say. They just do what they want and they treat it like it's theirs. And we're just left dealing with whatever the consequences are. It's used against us. We're manipulated by it. We're exploited by it. We're at least getting ripped off. We all know this, right? Like This is new news to anybody on the internet, but why does it have to be that way? Why can't we as users actually have a say about what happens to our data? And it's, you know, basic ownership rights, just like anything else you own. You own your car. You know where you parked your car. You decide who uses it. And if you sell it, you get paid for it, right? Like if Ford just took your car and started loaning it to other drivers and you didn't get paid for it, you'd be like, what the hell? Um, and yet we just are somehow totally okay with that happening to our data. So, yeah, that's we built Tiki to solve that problem and only that problem. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I, I've uh, I definitely uh, relate with that. You know, uh, Google has so much of my information. It's pretty pretty insane to think about uh, going way back when. I mean, I've been you know online for my entire life, and you know they have all my photos, all my emails, and all my communications. It's it's pretty disturbing uh, thinking about that for sure. Yeah, they have a digital representation of you, which they use to maximize profits however they please. Um, and the scariest part to me is not even the Googles. It's the thousands of other companies we don't even see or think about that collect your data on the internet, right? I mean, you get a prescription from a doctor, that prescription is turned into big data for the pharmaceutical industry, which is monetized, right? You can't even be a person. Your utility bills monetized. There are cameras in the grocery store that are decided, that are watching which bullet, like which cereal to pick up. So that way they can figure out who and where to place which cereal to maximize purchase rates, right? Like everything you do as a person is effectively being tracked and monetized. 
and we don't ever get a cut of that. We certainly have no control over it happening. People are like, oh yeah, just opt out. Opt out of what? Opt out of living? Opt out of life? Just not use the internet? Like, what are we talking about here, right? Like, you, it's not a realistic statement to be like, yeah, well, it was in the privacy policy on page 40, right? Like, that's that's crazy. So we need a yeah, better alternative that. that's, right? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> we need something that's actually for users, right? I mean, these companies technically work for us, right? Like, we're the customer. The saying's the customer's always right. Like, yeah, it's time we do something about it. It's really that simple. And we're just building some tools to make it easier that people can hopefully actually do something about it. Yeah, yeah. So how exactly does that work? How are users able to um, decide on what they want to share and what they don't? Is Are you trying to simplify that? And how, how exactly are you able to, to, to show that to the users in an easy-to-understand manner? Yeah. So the good part is all of the underlying technology is already there in place, right? Um, the issue is that it's presented in complicated, convoluted, misleading ways. So the way it works is you download the Tiki app, you link the you link your accounts, your existing accounts to it, and we go and we pull from their public APIs what data they collect on you. We turn that all into information that people can understand, not like a data scientist, but actually people are like, oh, they're watching what you send in a Gmail, so that way they can send you itinerary tips. Fine. And we present that information in a way where, just like Tinder, you can swipe left or swipe right on, I want this, I don't want this. And you can turn on and off settings, you can manage your privacy, all just in one place in seconds. So we use security scoring and privacy protection. We do all this fancy math shit to make it easy so you don't have to right like we give you a nice stack of cards and you just look at it and you're like all right yes i'm cool with that no i don't want facebook tracking my face i want to turn off facial recognition tracking so you just swipe right swipe left turn on turn off based on your preferences and we take care of it all behind the scenes so we aggregate that information make it easy to understand and then your data is worth a lot so not only can you opt out of things you can opt in to sell it so we allow you to completely opt in to sell things and that's where it gets really pretty cool and different. And from a tech and blockchain and Bitcoin standpoint, it gets quite interesting because at that point, we're now anonymizing user data at the edge on people's phones. So that way it can never be traced back to them, logging out on a blockchain and then allowing them to distribute that to millions of companies around the world and then receive payment back, which they can withdraw in any country. It's built to be completely decentralized built to run at the edge so you can use it anywhere in the world it's completely privacy compliant you're 100 percent anonymous when you use our software at all times uh so yeah it's but it's simple you just link your accounts and it just kind of takes care of it for you okay cool what um what companies are you able to integrate with currently like uh you're able to log into your your google account i assume and and then the other first what we did was google um so we're we're currently we just started the company at the beginning of the year so we're very, very new. Um, and so before we actually built anything, we just put it on the internet to see if anybody else cared about this idea or it was just us. Um, so 100,000 yeah. people signed up in the last few months, um, mostly organic, um, which kind of just changed everything. That's like that's just insane growth. Um, so now we're building as fast as we can. So we've, we had so many people sign up that we had to put a wait list in place for the beta. But we're starting right now. It's uh, Google accounts. So starting with Gmail. Um, email is actually the sneaky richest data source on a person. Um, if you start thinking about like all your 
all your purchases, right? All your receipts are in there. People email passwords to themselves, right? Like who you That's communicate true. with, which companies you actually have. Like you know which companies have your data based on which companies are emailing you. Because to email you, they must have your data. So you know which companies you have. And then you can rank those companies based on the security against the known breaches they have. And so we start flagging things based on it. So we start with data, with email data. It's like this treasure trove of super unsecured data that everybody has going back decades. Um, so we start there and start helping people with that. So we started with email, um, rolling out to search. And so we hope probably by the end of the year, we'll have a dozen or so different integrations. But after that, we'll probably open it up and let developers build their own and everything. It's pretty simple once you've got the base platform in place, right? Like you just hook up a few APIs and you get going. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I assume that uh, with this, you, you you see a future that has less intrusive data collection. Do you, do you think these companies are going to um, be more transparent and be forced to, to go that route? Or do you think, uh, you know, tools like that, like you're making are going to be necessary to, to kind of take your take your data and take your power back? You need an alternative. <laughs> so, yeah. Like you <laughs> The reality is there needs to be an alternative. You know, we hope that it's us that builds it, but either way, somebody's got to create an alternative because all like the problem, like Apple's making, you know, great strides in terms of awareness by making changes for privacy and protection of users. But all that's doing is incentivizing companies like PNG is very publicly stated. They're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in China to figure out how to work around it. So all the big companies are all just figuring out how to work around the privacy to collect more user data, not less. Like, it's not like they're like, oh, no, you caught me. I'm going to stop, right? Like, Facebook isn't going to stop collecting your data, right? Like, that's so you need a ethical alternative that's driven by users because without something to fill that need for data that's both safe and secure, businesses are just going to keep figuring out ways to get around it. But you build a marketplace that's driven by users, that's transparent, right, and fair. Now they have an alternative, right? It's not like that they want to do shady things. If there was a good alternative, they'd do the good alternative, right? We saw this in the U.S. with the cannabis market, right? Like there was all of this crime around cannabis and then we started legalizing it and all of these wonderful things started happening. Crime started dropping, weird things like DUIs started going down, right? Like all these other like weird fringe related issues started decreasing by just putting in place a market that was regulated, that was transparent, that had consent on both sides of it, that people knew what they were buying and people knew what they were getting, right? Um, we just need a similar thing for data, right? It's really that simple. Yeah, it's definitely a, a big topic, uh, trying to find a solution to this and, and make a uh, decentralized version of uh, you know all these websites and social media and whatnot. I don't know if you've uh, been following that, but Jack from Square seems to uh, is wanting to get into that and provide some sort of uh, decentralized Twitter of sorts. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you can you can get something going with that. But do you think uh, do you think that social social media will be more more decentralized in the future, and there won't be all this data centrally controlled by by a single entity? Well. Twitter's a funny example because it's public, right? So what's the point of decentralized data that's already public, right? Like, what are you protecting? It's public. Like, all you're doing is putting 
storage on people's computers and forcing people to have better internet connections, right? Like, I actually, I think you might just be solving Twitter's hosting problem and not actually a, a real decentralized problem. Now, you start moving into private networks, more like a WhatsApp or, you know, anything that's really more private or community driven next door, I think is the local one, or even a Facebook where it's less, it's more like groups of people. Um, I think that that's, we're going to see much more of that because it makes much more sense to be in control of that. And you're a little more sensitive of the data, I guess, maybe your Twitter DMS, but again, right? Like it's in that space. I've always wondered, like, what's the point of decentralizing something that's public? <laughs> I get you. Yeah. Uh, definitely. A lot of things are better done centralized. I think, uh, but in terms of the, the censor, censorship, I think people are really uh, getting upset about about that, and they want to have they want to have a no censorship option. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can find something that that offers that. You yeah, think that's I mean, a possible solution. Yeah. I think it'd be it's an interesting. It's interesting because it doesn't allow censorship. Not like you could just run Twitter and have no censorship. Like Twitter could just be like, we're not going to censor anything, right? Like you could just have that be a decision from a central authority and just not have it. But the interesting thing um, about making a decentralized network is they can never take it back, right? They can't, uh, like you can't be like, okay, we have no censorship. They one day change their mind and be like, all right, we're censoring things, right? There's no flip-flopping. Like if you have a decentralized right. network, you got to get everybody to agree to it. Um, so I do think that right. there's a lot of power in building something that can't accidentally get broken, that can't be manipulated in a way that you didn't think of, right? There's a lot of power in that through decentralized networks. Right. Yeah, like a uh, final settlement. Uh, I guess you could call it something that's the final say. It's on the blockchain. No one can uh, No one can change it. Yeah. Right. What you, at that point, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, uh, you know, that kind of describes Bitcoin and I'm sure you know about a lot about Bitcoin. Do you, uh, do you hold any yourself? And if so, uh, what would you think it's a good investment and how long have you, have you been a, a holder, a hodler as they say? <laughs> well, I don't hold very much anymore. Um, mostly out of bitterness and regret. I sold around $200 when I was like, oh my God, it's through the moon. Because, you know, I had it when it was like a dollar. And I was like, holy shit, okay. it's $200. It and I sold it and made it, <laughs> made a nice, nice little profit when I was in college. I was like, yeah. Um, and then now I'm like, well, that was the dumbest decision I ever made. So mostly out of like just spite for myself, I don't hold very much. I have a little bit. Um, it's a great investment right now, right? Like it's extremely low. It's going to spike. I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me in the next spike, you know, gets close to 100K. So yeah, I mean, if you got the money, it's a great investment right now. How, how did you uh, get involved that early? Uh, you, you said you, you first uh, found out about it and purchased Bitcoin when it was around a dollar. So that was uh, what, 20, 2010, 2011, something like that? Is that right? Yeah, yeah 2010, maybe even nine. I don't know. Yeah, early, very, very early. Um, yeah, when like, back, like, it was just when people like websites were giving out bitcoins, right? Like you'd sign up for a service on the internet and you'd get a bitcoin, right? Like that's when I started getting bitcoins. Yeah. Like it was actually quite a while after I had just a bunch of free bitcoins that I got. I bought bitcoins, right? Like I had, you know, you just get them for signing up for things. Like you just use this service and then here's a couple bitcoin, right? Like that's how things were. Um, so yeah, like that's how I got introduced to it. And that's just, you know, 
I mean, I was in engineering school, right? Like we were buying shady things on the internet with Bitcoins, right? Like that's what people did back then. Yep. yep. It's first use case was the Silk Road, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's how we all had it. <laughs> like that's, that was the, <laughs> one of the only ways you could use it and spend it, right? Um, yeah. There was not a yeah. lot of other things you could do with it. So we just, you just get it. You'd sign up for some service and then boom, like that's what you got. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I know a lot of now. people, uh, yeah, <laughs> kicking yourself, I'm, I'm sure. A lot, a lot of people look back and say, oh, if I just, you know, bought it at that price, I would be, you know, so much well off now. But but the the key is holding it, right? And not many people still have their Bitcoin. They sold it off or they lost it or they got uh, stolen in a, in a hack, perhaps, like the Mt. Cox hack. Like, there's a lot of things that you have to go through to hold and it's not as easy as, as you, you may think, right? Yeah, it's definitely not. Yeah, I mean, God knows how how many hundreds of Bitcoins are on a flash drive of mine somewhere, right? Like, that's just that's just how it is, right? Like, they're just gone, right? I was in college. I was drunk. I lost the flash drive. What are you going to do, right? Like, that's just, yeah. those were the days. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is a lot more complicated than just, like, being like, yeah, well, back then I should have known, right? Like, everybody even then knew it was going to be big, right? It wasn't, like... Nobody's surprised from those early days that it's, it is what it is now. Everybody was talking about it. But then, you know, push comes to shove and you could use an extra 5k and all of a sudden it's 200 bucks and it was only 20, you know, three months earlier. And you're like, well, I'll take the 5k. Right. And then, you know, so that you're right. It's, it's not a surprise. It is where it is, but you have to go through a lot to get from there to here. Yeah. I don't blame you for, for taking you know, 10 X gains. I can't, I can't right. shame you for that. But <laughs> For mostly yeah. free stuff, right? Like, I don't know. I guess it's kind of infinity gains. Most of those Bitcoins are free. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Bitcoin's doing a lot, a lot of cool things nowadays. It's come a long ways, you know, back then it was just kind of shady on, on used online for, for uh, illicit uh, purchases. But, you know, now it's mostly, most of the, most of the, um, usage of Bitcoin is not necessarily legal, but it's, uh, yeah. you know, legal. So, uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin is giving property rights to, you know, people worldwide, people that don't have options to uh, invest in assets. They're, you know, their local currency is being inflated. They can't store their value anywhere. Uh, you know, they're able to escape tyranny. Uh, they're able to flee without confiscation because they can store it in their head. You know, given all those yeah. all those things, I'm I'm really passionate about this and what it's the the great use case that it offers to humanity. So I I think this is one of the most you know biggest technology uh, in in our lifetime. Would you agree with that? Certainly, yeah. It's it changes a lot of things, uh, not just in the financial space, but I mean, if you're just talking pure decentralized currency yeah i mean it's it's finally starting to evolve into what people always thought it could be uh, which is very 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 cool to see right i mean it was like it was created for that purpose it took i don't know 15 years to get there but it's we're getting there right like it's really amazing it's actually getting there (laughs) it's exciting yeah 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 we're, we're living in exciting times for sure and uh so what do you what do you think about um, other cryptocurrencies? Are you uh, invested in the others, or are you uh, Bitcoin only? Or what, what do you think about altcoins? 
I got a few of a bunch of different ones for whatever reasons, right? Like, you know, when we were doing some influencer marketing campaigns, some people wanted, you know, some Cardano. So I got some Cardano over there and I got some Doge for somebody else. It just, like, you just kind of stockpile a few here or there. And like, so yeah, I got a bunch of them. Um, again, I'm not like heavily diversified or even really invested in it. Um, believe it or not, my interest in the whole blockchain space is more around the fundamental technology than the actual cryptocurrency itself. Uh, I'm just not a very financially motivated person, so I don't do much with investments and things like that. I'm much more interested in how to use the technology. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. Well, I would, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend this, this toddle and don't don't look at your portfolio. That's, that's good <laughs> that you're not too uh, too closely watching it because you know you can, then you can get uh, very emotional. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I learned my lesson the hard way. I'm not selling any of it ever, right? Like I, no matter what it is, like that's I made that promise myself a long time ago. Like you know, I got to pay somebody in something, so I have a few left over, and they just go in the account, and then they just sit there, and I'm never going to sell any of them. Doesn't matter which one. Some might go to zero. Some might go to god knows what heights but none of them are being sold yeah. <laughs> good good <laughs> well uh you know a lot of companies are starting to uh, adopt bitcoin put it on their balance sheet as a reserve instead of fiat uh as you i'm sure you know mm -hmm. michael saylor from microstrategy is one of the biggest buyers buying up uh billions of dollars of bitcoin and holding it instead of fiat yep. uh you know you got fiat on one hand guaranteed to be devalued year by year uh, increasingly devalued year by year because it's not going up linear, linear. It's going up, you know, more than that exponential. So, uh, either have fiat or you have Bitcoin with a, with a hard cap, a limited supply. So you think, uh, more companies are going to start adopting, uh, Bitcoin and holding it as a reserve on their, on their balance sheet as opposed to fiat? Yeah. I mean, eventually. I don't know how fast it'll happen. It's still, still a little convoluted in terms of laws and sec and taxes and like what happens if you have a ton of it and some of the fluctuations and just getting the cfo to agree to something at a big publicly traded company of something like right like i think there's a lot more yeah other like is it a good idea yes should they yes will they eventually right it's just like there's a lot of bureaucratic nonsense that is between here and there um so probably in the next you know You'll see, you'll see a few more every year, I expect, right? Until And it'll start to hit a tipping point where it'll be very, very common, right? Just like, um, you know, when you run a business and you have a bunch of money invested, your bank will invest it in a bunch of different things um, in liquid places. So it accrues different types of interest based on your risk tolerances portfolio, right? So if we've got a bunch of investment in our company sitting in cash, it's not like it's sitting in a checking account, right? So you got to invest it in different types of things. And so... Yeah, I think we'll start to see it supported far more. Um, and uh, yeah, I think smaller companies will start to absolutely do it more frequently than even the big ones. I think, honestly, like the whole accounting department in a big public company, it might be the biggest, <laughs> the biggest problem, right? Trying to get them all to agree on how yeah. to do it and how to account for it and how to track it. And right, like that's, that's probably yeah. your biggest issue, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's true. That there are a lot of people involved, and it's usually not so simple as you know one guy uh, understanding it and then wanting it. There's a lot of interests uh, you have to get board approval and whatnot, and a lot of those people, you know, it takes a lot to understand Bitcoin. So they may not, you know, fully understand it. They may be, you know, the older uh, the 
you know, older think, yeah. thinking may not understand it. So, yeah, and right, like the whole point of your mo- most accounting departments of public companies is like just don't lose money, right? Like they're not like they're not out like that's what the product team is for. That's what from marketing and that's what sales is for is to like generate revenues and increase, right? That's not what accounting's for, right? Um, so it is yeah. a little bit against their grain to be making you know strategic types of investments. So yeah, I mean there are very few companies that are run like Tesla, where Elon Musk just makes a decision and they do it, right? They don't have lots of public companies that run like that. They're controlled by boards and decisions and meetings and months and months of meetings and decisions, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a good point. Everyone gets uh gets all up in arms when when they uh, see what happened with you know Elon and whatnot. But you know, he there's other people involved in this. It's not all him. So uh, you got to be a little uh, little op- open minded about that, but. Um, so do you think, uh, do you see Bitcoin as a store of value only, or do you think it's going to become, you know, a, a global currency and do you think it's going to eventually take out all fiat money or, or do you see the future in terms of uh, Bitcoin and what it serves humanity and if it's going to take over fiat or not? What do you think about that? Well, I'll answer it in two ways. Will cryptocurrency take over fiat? Yeah. Like, there will be a point in time where fiat will become, like, pennies in our pocket. Where, like, we kind of have it, but, like, do you really? Like, you lose a penny and you're like, whatever, right? Like, no no one's picking up pennies and counting them. So, yeah, like, we'll get to a point where cryptocurrency does. Um, does Bitcoin have a chance of being that? Sure. Uh, I mean, anything's possible. It's also totally possible that something will come out of left field or something we already use. Like, I... You know, I, you know, Bitcoin certainly has its strengths. Number one being it's the most wildly adopted and supported and understood. Um, but it's also got its weaknesses just like anything else, right? Like that's one of the problems of trying to establish something that's a global anything. It's a crazy thing to ask of one technology, right? Like Bitcoin's great for certain use cases, but it's terrible for other use cases. So trying to make it something that fits everything is almost an impossible ask, Um so, you know, will it be the dominant one for the foreseeable future? I would assume so. Yeah. Like, will it, will there be others? Yeah. I'd expect there'll be lots of others because there'll always be niche use cases and, you know, side things that are happening in this specific, you know, type of system. It just doesn't make sense. Like, trying to build all of that into one structured system, like, it just, I don't see it happening. I really don't. I don't see it all consolidating to one master Bitcoin. That's, well, Bitcoin is, is meant to be, you know, like the base layer uh, store of value and uh, having multiple blockchains isn't completely necessary in terms of money goes. Do, do you think CB, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies are going to be um, widely adopted? And you think that's going to be in any way a competition to Bitcoin or you see them as, as different different things? Well, they are different things. Um the, the question isn't, do I see it as different things? Does the rest of the world, does the masses agree is really honestly the question when it comes to these. Because, you know, all of this stuff is all about adoption, right? More so than any technology that's built, it's about do people use it, right? Like, what's the point of a currency if you're the only one holding it, right? Like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you have to have something that other people accept and use, Um so it will get pushed. Um, the problem is CBDC is literally just what they have now. I mean, it's just basically PayPal, right? Like, come on. Right? Like, it's just 
Yeah. Like, sure, it cuts their costs in whole, in, in their overhead in terms of how they send things. And yeah, you could send money across the earth for less fees faster. But I mean, that's like, you know, that, that's like 1% of the value of a decentralized currency, right? Like, that's not really the point. So, you know, they're going to position it as, hey, here's an alternative that's backed by us trustworthy banks. I hope the world doesn't bite and follow, right? Because I actually think you're losing sight of all of the amazing value of what decentralization brings. Um, but they're certainly going to go for it. I think, you know, Hopefully it doesn't happen. Um, hopefully at least they compete. Um, that doesn't overtake it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't see it as very different from the current fiat system either, because it's just the digitized or tokenized version of the dollar, which they can also indefinitely inflate. Right. So it's not much of a yeah. difference there. So yeah. Right. I mean, I, I always. Yeah. I. I don't know about you. I don't have any cash. Um, all of my money, I just press a button on my computer and it goes somewhere now and it's in a bank account. So like, what, like I, bank of America is my, my bank. And as far as I'm concerned, it's already digital, right? I'm not walking around like, so what are we doing? Right. It's like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you've seen lately in El Salvador, uh, is, is, uh, deemed the, uh, legal tender. And they're using it uh, through a company called Strike, uh, which utilizes the second layer Lightning Network for mm-hmm. uh, instant and nearly free transactions. So that's uh, one of the big piece of news lately. Do you, do you see uh, the Lightning Network being uh, more widely adopted uh, worldwide? And do you think that gives credibility to Bitcoin to be used as not only a store of value, but a means of exchange as well? So I think it's a massive win. Um, both for Lightning Network, for El Salvador, for Bitcoin in general. I think they're all great things. Um, and I think the Lightning Network is a very positive step forward for Bitcoin. I think it opens up the possibilities of what you can do with it and the flexibility. And yeah, I think it it opens up doors that were previously kind of un- unattainable for for Bitcoin. So I think it's, I think it's great. I really do. Um, I hope more... More, we see more adoption of it. I hope there's more use cases for it. Um, yeah, I think it's it's certainly a very positive. For sure. Where where do you think this will lead from? Uh, let's say five years from now. Where, where do you do you have a an, a guess at where where Bitcoin will be? You think it will be more legal tender in more places, or think uh, it'll take a little bit a little bit longer than that? It'll probably it'll probably go one of two ways. It'll probably it's unlikely to continue at a medium trend, kind of how it is now, where it's like slowly, slowly adopting. I would expect it's either gonna blow up in everyone's faces and kind of disappear, and something else will take over, or we'll see significant adoption of it as legal tender in developing countries, right? Particularly developing countries and nations. Um, in the next five years, I, that would not shock me at all to see that happen. I think it, we're either going to see a bit of a domino effect or we won't. Um, 
And if, if we don't, maybe we should all change course in our support of it and look for something else, right? If it doesn't happen in the next five years, because it's, it's here. The technology is, is good enough to facilitate this actually happening, and the demand is there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, it's going to be a domino effect, and this is just the beginning. Um, I'm not closed off to any possibilities of something happening, a black swan event, something coming in and doing it better, I suppose. But what are some, you think that option is very likely? And if so, what, what, what do you think would, was the most likely scenario for, for Bitcoin to, as you said, bl- blow up or, or, uh, die? <laughs> well, my hesitance with the current crypto world is that we've scratched like the bare surface of what's possible. Um, what you can like applying blockchain the concept of blockchain to payments is like what one little tiny thing what can be done with that concept is transformative for technology and distributed systems um, if we can build it and deploy it but nobody's really rolled out a good use case at a massive scale of real the real fundamentals of blockchains. And we've seen little things here and there, but we haven't seen any true mass rollout. And I know because I'm trying to roll out a bunch of blockchain to 100,000 mobile devices, which, by the way, is insanely difficult. Like, I don't know if, like, there aren't any, I don't know any blockchains that are just running 100,000 100, people's mobile phones, right, as notes. Like, that's not a thing. It's very, right, like, so rolling this stuff out in mass exodus to people um, will take a different form than the way we see and utilize um, Bitcoin and just blockchains in general today. And I, so I think there's a possibility that payments get swept up, like currency gets swept up in all of that, right? If somebody comes along and develops a truly decentralized internet, you can't build a decentralized internet on the current technologies. It's just not possible with the way these blockchains are currently set up. You need different, you need different fundamentally like built systems to make something like that happen. If that if something like that were to happen, yeah, I'd find it, you know, I can't imagine Bitcoin would be able to keep, keep up, right? We'd see something else develop. So I do, th- I think that that may, like that's the one way I see that this all taking form is a totally different shape that came out of left field that was not for currency and currency just got rolled into it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no one can... Uh tell the future, I suppose. So it's uh, definitely exciting to see how it's going to play out, though. So to, to end it off here, what, what do you think uh, we, we should do in order to educate people and to get the word out? What, what are some ways that, that, that we can grow the network and, and get people to learn about Bitcoin and, and crypto? Well, I'm personally passionate about building stuff on blockchain technology. I think when we see real consumer-grade technologies built and rolled out to users that are backed by real blockchains and real crypto, um, we'll start to see a far wider appeal than we see today. Right? Like we're using we're using it for one use case, but there's basically infinity use cases um, for something like this. Right? Like every use case you have that's digital. Um, could be more or less applied to this technology. So, you know, 
yeah, we should keep doing more of what we're doing, but we should also be looking at all of these other opportunities as ways to introduce a wider population to it, right? Like, um, there's no way to get my parents to buy into Bitcoin or any crypto because of currency. They're just going to be like, what do you mean? I got a dollar. Like, and like, how do I buy it? What do I do with it? It's like a stock, but I don't understand it. Like, what is this? Like, there's no, there's, there's no easy way to get over that, right? The easiest way to get them yeah. over that is like, I don't know, make a Facebook that's built on top of crypto. Um, and all of a sudden they'll use it. They love Facebook, <laughs> right? Like, then they'll be using it and then they'll be involved. And then all of a sudden they do a little bit more and then they send some payments to their friends and all of a sudden they're using it, right? Like, um, so you got to suck them in some other way. <laughs> I think that's how, I think that's how we're going to get um, really big mass adoption of these systems. For sure. Yeah, it's quite the learning curve. So I, I don't think we can get them to fully understand it immediately. We got to use them in for sure. So yeah, there's no yeah. reason for them, right? Like that's the problem. Like I get it if you're in a country where your currency is extremely in flux, right? Um, or, you know, war-torn countries or any of these really people are really struggling who need it for very specific use cases you'll go figure out and learn how it works right like because you're motivated but for somebody who has no real motivation right just because it's the new thing like i mean come on they're like i've been using u.s dollars for my entire life you want me to change that now (laughs) like (laughs) that's just a crazy ask yeah yeah people in the in the western world don't uh don't see a need for it so they they a lot of times dismiss it but you know a lot of people aren't as lucky as us and aren't in the same situation and you know they need this in order to to get out of their situation so really right. uh for a lot of people it's 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 freedom it's hope so exactly for sure all right well it's been a really nice talking to you man thanks thanks for being on where can uh where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and also look into the, the your tiki uh, app yeah yeah um so you can sign up for tiki at mytiki.com just m-y-t-i-k-i.com um all of our social media contact information is there everything we do is open source it's transparent if you're fascinated by blockchains and knowledge graphs and data come check it out it's we're really building a truly decentralized way for people to have a transparent look and control and ownership um, actually earn money from your data in developing worlds. Like one of the cool things we did is we rolled it out globally, right? It works everywhere in the world because it's decentralized. Decentralized things are truly amazing. Um, so yeah, come sign up and just DM me. Like all my social stuff's on the website. You can just find us, just send us a note, right? Like I'm on the internet, just send me a message. All right, Mike. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for being on and uh, have a good one. Thanks, Matt.